Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we are going to talk about traumatic loss, and we've got a great person on who's been through loss and is doing coaching work and has some interesting um, models and themes that she's got. So we're excited about the show. Would you like to introduce her, Heidi? Sure, Mom. Carol Brookings is joining us from Canada. And as you said, we will be talking about healing after traumatic loss. And after Carol's mom took her life, she realized there isn't enough support for suicide loss survivors. Carol struggled with guilt and was finally able to start healing when she learned how to rewire the brain. Carol has used brain-based methods to help others and is a suicide bereavement coach. Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you. It's good to be here. How long has it been since your mama uh, died? Uh, it'll be 10 years in November, so 2013. 10 years, wow, yeah. We always miss them. Yeah, yeah, sure. You had a lot of feelings of guilt, and we just know that a lot of people who have a suicide loss, wow, they have a lot of guilt, don't they, Ida? Well, absolutely, like guilt and regret, and we should have, could have, would have, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty for all losses. And I think suicide gets complicated. So it's been interesting looking at your journey, Carol, and what has helped you. And we're fascinated to learn more about it. For me, it, it took a while even to um, find those methodologies, that strategies that work. So like I said, I lost my mom in 2013. Um, I was in my last year of uni, was worried about my dad, what's going to become of him. Um, and but other than that, for, for a while, I just tried to get through the days. And, you know, even though the guilt and the shoulders, couldas, they took on all of my focus, but I didn't really know what to do. And I didn't have the energy to do it. So but you were then, in university when your mother died. Yeah, I was in my last year of uni. Yeah, I was in I was at university in the United States when my brother died. And it is very difficult because when you're a college student, I'm guessing this was your case too. None of my friends had had these kind of losses. None of my friends had lost a brother traumatically. My brother died in a very traumatic accident. I'm guessing for you, probably none of your friends had had, most of them probably had still had mothers and didn't even you know, know how to support you. I'm guessing you must've felt fairly alone. And like you said, then you have to focus on school. Mm -hmm. So it's a weird time in your life to have a traumatic loss. And then yeah. you were your dad, which is another yeah. thing, parent loss. So sometimes the kids don't get to grieve because they're so worried about their parent, surviving parent. Yeah, exactly. So my friends, they only really supported me with the subjects that we were studying more than anything else. And I was on the phone to my dad every night, um, supporting him the, the best I could. Yeah. Wow. And Carol, do you feel like suicide is a stigmatized loss? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Was it, was it difficult for you? Did, did people ask you how your mother died? And if so, 
because they definitely asked me how my brother died because people were curious mm-hmm. if so was it was it hard for you to talk about it or did you how did you respond to those those kind of questions yeah so if people some people did ask and I would I would tell them but I couldn't talk about it without crying right so I would mm-hmm. always be crying as I was sharing but some people didn't ask so for example when I started my graduate job people knew that my mom had died but most of them didn't know how or why and they never asked so I just carry that with me and then you know you get those throwaway comments like oh don't stay late killing yourself Uh. that really you know hit hits hits home hard but this defense you didn't know but that's another complexity how did you get into talking about it was it hard for you yeah so at at that time I really only talked about it with close friends and and family I didn't really want to want to talk about it and then after a while I sort of realized that you know to end the stigma to break the silence we need to talk about it and when people when they give when they're given the opportunity then they're more willing and able to uh, open up so one of my former bosses and my hairdresser whom I'd known for over five years at that time they both lost someone to suicide and I never knew until I it came up in conversation you know that was a a few years down the line and they opened up and I think it's like that for a lot of us. We probably all know someone, but they're just not comfortable talking about it. Carol, I think that's a really important point. If, like you said, once you open up and tell people, you find that other people have had similar experiences with suicide, but they're just not saying it because they're waiting, you know, because no one else is. So you're making it okay to talk openly about about these things and not have it as stigmatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was sort of my first steps. And then the next big point in my life was when our first daughter was born. That was in 2018. And um, now it wasn't just me and my husband anymore. We had this beautiful baby girl. And that was really when I thought, okay, something needs to change. Because even though my mom wasn't um, diagnosed with any mental health issues, as far as we're aware, her mom uh, suffered from depression, severe depression, was treated in and out of hospitals. So you sort of follow the family line of females in the family. And I didn't want that for my daughter. So that's when I really started looking into the, the different strategies. Not having your mom there, and here you have this wonderful little girl, did it create depression or not having her? Did it bring up the loss even more or not necessarily? Yeah, I wasn't depressed as such, but it certainly brought up the loss. But even before my daughter was born, so, you know, during pregnancy, I wanted to ask my mom, um, what was it like to be pregnant with me? Have you experienced Mm -hmm. this and that that I'm experiencing? I was 23 and a half when my mom died. So at that time, I wasn't, you know, having those conversations with her because that was a few years off for me. So it definitely brought up that loss and thinking, you know, what would she, what would she be doing now, and and all of the things that she's missing out on. Mm-hmm. So at, at some point, you wanted to start healing by learning how to rewire the brain. Is that right? 
Yeah, so I wanted to start healing. And what I did was, you know, when we sat there feeding the, the baby all day long, I thought, okay, I'm going to start researching. And there's lots of different possible strategies out there, but there wasn't anything that resonated with me. I was looking for quite some time and it was either something that worked for one person, but then didn't work for me, or it felt like it was just made up out of thin air until I found out how to rewire the brain. So how to um, refute our untrue and unhelpful thoughts. First, we need to recognize and then we can refute them and basically rewire the brain. And it really resonated with me because it's all brain-based and science-backed, which means- and you're, a math, and you're a math major, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that helped as well. Um, yeah, so- brain-based science back books for everyone every time I thought this is great so I took myself through that process and it changed my life I was able to let go of my guilt I was able to focus again be present is there anything that I can do right now from my own home to be to rewire my brain yeah for sure okay yeah yeah there's a there's a there's a whole um process that people can go through I'll give a high level overview so the first step is to start really paying attention to our thoughts because most people walk around they think they're thinking conscious thoughts but they're not really because by 90% of what we do is driven by our subconscious not our conscious thoughts oh true so start paying attention to those negative thoughts like oh I'm a terrible person I should have known I should have been able to stop them all those kinds of things just start being aware of them because that's always the first step if you're not aware you can't do anything about it the second step is to write them down with pen and paper so I always encourage people to take pen and paper with them everywhere they go at least to start with so we can really write it down word for word and we don't forget at the end of the day. The other reason we write them down is that we want to keep a tally so we can see um, how many times that thoughts come up because they come up more than once for sure. And you probably wanna start with the one that comes up the most. So we've got a list of thoughts. The next stage is called the refute stage. And there's two, um, two versions of the refute and we do both of them. The first part is the logical refute, where we logically challenge um, the thought, logically why it's not true. So for example, you say, oh, I'm I'm the worst parent in the world. And well, maybe you've got a surviving child, you brought your children up the same and your surviving child is doing great. So that's an example of a logical refute, a logical challenge. So write all of them down, anything that comes up. And then we've got the mirror refute, which is so powerful. And I I love that exercise because we're always so compassionate towards other people, but Mm. towards ourselves, we don't have any self-compassion. So with the mirroring exercise, we're bringing up that self-compassion. So what we want to do is um, we want to mirror it on the person we love the most. So for example, They say, if you can, it's most powerful to mirror it on the person who took their life, if it makes sense in the context. 
Okay. It's the most powerful way to do it, but it can also be quite stressful. So if people find it's too stressful, they can mirror it on someone who's still alive and it still works fine. So say you've lost your child and you're still with your with your spouse um, and you get on really well, then you could mirror it on them. So you could say, um, and you say it out loud, but not to them, but you, I would say to my clients, okay, now mirrored on your husband for example and they would need to say well you know so and so whatever the child is called suicide is all my husband's fault obviously Mm -hmm. putting in the names and the interesting thing is that most people they refuse to even say that I died I say no I I can't say it it's not true yet they say it to themselves all day long Mm -hmm. they say it's Um, my fault I should have known I should have stopped it I should have done something and then what happens is because we love them so much, we we come up with all of these reasons of why it's not true for them. So for example, it's like, oh no, you know, he took him to hockey every weekend, or you always had a talk in the evening, whatever it is. And we look at them and we find out what's true for us as well. And then write that about us. So if it's like, you know, we he my husband had a talk with my son every night if you did that as well then you would say okay I had a talk with my son every night so you come up with the logical reasons and then the mirrored reasons all written about yourself all right and then what you do is you um, get out your voice recorder on the phone and you read them all out loud and then you listen to them first thing in the morning um, before you get up because it sets you up really well for the day and last thing at night just before you go to sleep because the subconscious is always active so it has those positive thoughts to work through so that's a very brief overview of how it right. works. what piece of that helped you personally the most um the mirror the mirror refute helped me the most for sure because I was beating myself up about all of these things you know the should have and, and could have my mom came to see me for two weeks two months before she took her life so my should have and could have were around you know picking up on those flags which were so obvious after she died you know she went into her room every evening and didn't spend time with us in the evenings or she told me a lot about her mom's depression and you know, I didn't put two and two together. And then she said once, um, sometimes I wonder why I bother even get out of bed in the morning. And I just thought, yeah, sometimes I'd rather stay in bed. And that was it for me. It yeah. wasn't like, okay, there's more to it. So I wish I had picked her up on those things. Understandable. Now I'm, you know, cause I'm the empathic guy can be from the outside. Understandable that you would have that conversation of, yeah, sometimes I feel the same way. But it sounds like you were really beating yourself up about these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sure. I hear so many people, particularly if uh, family members are living with him um, at the time. Um, and I hear them say, but they were so much cheerier right before. And one thing we know as professionals is that we hear that so much. And it's because people have a plan now. So that really, they're feeling better because they have a plan. They're, you know, they don't need to be in this painful world of theirs. They've figured out how to get out of their pain. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it's really tough that 
you know, why didn't I see it? I mean, really tough. So what would you say? What did you say to yourself that brought it back around for you? Um, well, I, I said to myself, I did the best I could with what I knew at the time. That was a big realization for me. And as I learned about the brain and the thoughts that sort of became apparent because what you need to remember is that at the time when these things happen, we don't have that information that they're about to take their lives. So now once they have taken their lives, it's like we've got a new pair of glasses. And when, when we look into the past, we see everything differently, but now it's too late to, to do anything. So that, that was a way where I was able to give myself compassion because, you know, of course, if I had known, then I would have done things differently. Oh, compassion, so important. Mm -hmm. Well, to tell people how they can get a hold of you and what you're doing. And... Yeah, so I've got lots of different things going on. Um, I've got my next interview series coming up. Um, people will be able to register from October 23rd. The interview series runs from November 6th to November 10th, and it's completely free. And there'll be different um, speakers speaking each day. I also have a free private Facebook group. We've got um, nearly 900 people in there. And I'm in there a lot with advice and journal prompts, things to think about so we can actually move forward and heal. I also work with one-on-one -on -one clients. I've got um, group coaching clients, a self-study course. So there's something out there for everyone. Um, if they can go to my website, which is carolbrookings.com, and they can also um, have a look on Facebook for the Facebook group, which is called Healing After Suicide Loss. Oh, great. Well, thank you, Carol, so much for being on the show and for all the good and help that you're giving people. Yeah, my pleasure. Yes, thank you, Carol, for helping so many people find hope after traumatic sudden deaths. And thanks everybody for joining us on this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.